looks like we're going. All right, welcome everybody to. Uh, we're getting back into the rhythm of things. This is uh, hashtag Asperger's TV, uh, and we're going to go over the most recent of our uh, videos, which is the SBS lighting video from uh, our hybrid series. And uh, uh, today we should be releasing a video, but we're not. I'm just going to let everybody in here uh, before we get too far into it. Uh, just for everybody, uh, we got Randy here answering questions over on Facebook. And then Adam, uh, he's a new addition to the team for Hashtag Aspires TV, and he is down in Facebook land. So uh, hopefully he'll chime in pretty soon here. And uh, you guys can uh, answer questions uh, all day long, and uh, we'll just answer them. But specific to, hopefully, SPS lighting today. So, uh, uh, again, man, today we should be releasing normally at noon our, uh, you know, typical release uh, of uh, the, the hybrid series, but we're not. And that is just because I'm super burnt out from all of the sales and stuff we were doing over the last couple of weeks. Like, it just like was so so busy around here there was no way i was gonna be able to write a script and get it produced and shot and uh i took a good opportunity for uh, dave our our editor to go ahead and take the week off and uh, enjoy his family and whatnot so today man we're gonna really talk about that lighting we're gonna i got a bunch of questions here that i pulled uh, off of the youtube questions maybe we'll get through those uh i'll answer questions here right here uh, directly from everybody that's watching uh, and uh, both on Facebook and YouTube, so you know what? And the ones that I miss, uh, both Randy and uh, Adam will get. So you know, make sure to talk to them. They love talking to all you guys. Uh, and so uh, I'm just going to start off by kind of like you know making it you know real because there was one question here that says where do I find it? Uh, oh man, where was it? Uh, let me find it. Ah. This one right here from Kevin. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? There's so many in here. Uh, you know what? Oh, this is the one I'm going to start with. Uh, Rush here. Uh, Rush Medical. He says, if it's simple, why does it take 42 minutes to explain? Which, uh, you know what? I think is a great, great, great question because <laughs> that kind of like uh, goes at odds with each other. How can something that's uh, super simple and stable take 48 uh, or 42 minutes to explain? That's how long the SPS lighting video was. And so, you know, it was a really long thing. And, you know, really could I could have just come out and said, Hey, guys, go buy some T5 bulbs, plug it in the wall. And if it ain't going to be T5s, then make it work like T5s. Done. I mean, that's really the end of the story. It's all you really need to know to have a successful reef tank. But you know what, man? Like what we're doing is like really talking about all the stuff and making a strong case for why that's real. You know, or, you know, in all of these things, man, literally I could come out and probably do a video that lasts 60 seconds and at the end, man, like, hey, do this, you'll be successful. But the reality of it is, man, we got to make a strong case, man. We need to explain why we've come to that conclusion, you know, for it to be believable, give you examples of where success has been, you know, and show you the results of implementing uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, for us, man, it isn't about the uh, minute at the end. It's about the 41 minutes in the beginning, you know, really sharing all the experiences and, you know, why you think that is the case. So a uh, good question, man. Uh, and, uh, you know, another one that I thought was super good here was uh, Mark Bernard. He didn't actually ask in the lighting video, but he asked in the uh, tour that we did. So for those of you who missed it, 
We did a tour of the whole facility here, walked through all 72,000 feet of BRS, and you got to see everything that we're doing here, which was pretty fun. Uh, Mark Bernard here asks, who is the real Ryan? Is he the erudite, thought-provoking scientist we see in the latest BRS TV segments? Or maybe that monotonic, flat effect YouTuber of old? Uh, or is he the fun-loving Doug McKenzie that we see in the live shots? It's all got to be all three, but he wants to work for Doug. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, you know what, really, man? I guess it's all that stuff, man. We just uh, like to have fun here, and we like to do different things. And, you know, when it's time to talk science, man, it's time to talk science. You know, it's not like time to do, get into all the jokes and everything. I mean, I really want to give a lot of information. And, man, we're just like some of those episodes people tell me they got to watch like three times. You know, just like get in because it's just coming at you so fast. There's so much information. And if we, you know, turned it into a conversation and it was all jokey, man, the thing would be four hours long. So, you know what? And I just want to, it's just sometimes it's talk time, talk, talk serious. As far as the monotone flat uh, effect YouTuber of old, yeah, man, that was me too. Uh, you know, not necessarily me you would know in real life, but like, I mean, I was terrified of that camera. You know, it was super, super scary, man, for the first time to get out there and, you know, tell people, you know, how to be successful with their tanks or at least share knowledge, man, that you have. And it was really like this, you know, and super, super afraid, you know, of the camera. But you know what, man? That, ne that information needed to be shared. So, you know what? Uh, and all of you guys have been a big part of my personal growth and the ability to, you know, pr perfect and polish all that stuff so it gets a little bit better and easier to watch. So thank you. And uh, you know what, man? We love to have fun here. Uh, and so actually it's super awesome in this live stuff and it, you know, all those prizes and everything we're giving away. It's just super fun to be able to like show the fun side of BRS, not just uh, all the you know science and advice and whatever, but like, uh, man, this place is all about fun. And uh, we just really like to you know enjoy our lives. So you know it's uh, not just a job to come to, but something we enjoy. So bravo for Mark answering that question, man. Not really related to lighting, but that was super fun. Uh, and I'm just going to say a couple other things here, man, before I start answering questions uh, live here. There was a couple of them, uh, Fish of Hex, this wasn't really a question, but Fish of Hex Aquatics said eight XR15s and eight uh, blue pluses on a 300-gallon Acrotake. It's hands down the best lighting setup he's ever had. Reef Dude shared, I 100% agree with you. XR15s with diffusers are the way to go. So far, it's been my favorite lighting setup. And, you know, as you guys know, that's what we ultimately went with uh, on the uh, XXL 750. And I got to tell you, the more that I play around with it, the more happy I, I am with it. And, you know, the only, my only complaint would be, I guess, I kind of wish, you know, being the premium product out there that it is, the Radeon, that, like, it should just come with those diffusers in the box, to be honest. You know, like, if you're going to present yourself as the best out there, and this is, like, absolutely the best out there, you know, in terms of, you know, aesthetics, what it looks like in the tank, because I'm looking at the tank. It's, that's all I do with it. If I don't look at it, what, worth, what is it worth? So it needs to look sharp. It needs to grow the corals. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's a better option out there for LED only. But, you know, being is the best option, I shouldn't have to go buy a $50 add-on to make it, you know, work. It should be the best out of the box. Now, I know that this was, like, you know, just an after thing that they added to the product. Maybe uh, they release something in the future that has it incorporated. Maybe they do some kind of package in the future. I don't know. But I, I have to agree that that would be an awesome thing for them to do. But uh, if you go and look at, on uh, hashtag TV, I posted a picture, or not a picture, some video of where we have the XR15s there without uh, the diffusers and we or with the diffusers and then we start to pull them off. 
And you can see, man, like this super awesome, perfectly blended spectrum. No individual color seen anywhere. And then as you pull them off one by one, you know, and they're just the, you know, normal HEI lens, you start to see these little spots of light, you know, kind of moving around in a hex pattern in a grid as the waves shoot it around. And like you put those things back on, you're like, ah, oh, perfect. You know, so it's such an awesome, awesome tool to, you know, take the next evolution of lighting and it'll definitely reduce the par you know and some people have said man like well i don't want to reduce my par it takes out so much par it takes 100 par off i tried i don't want to do it well i don't know man i, I just gotta tell you par is the easiest possible thing to put into the tank like of all of the challenges of using lighting uh, on the reef tank par is like by far the easiest one to do so it's application of par and spectrum into a way that produces results man visually and biologically that's hard and so you know if i have a tool man that achieves those goals for me and it comes at a energy expense i'm okay with that uh, absolutely 100 percent okay with using energy to achieve a result, especially a desirable one that makes it so much better. So absolutely uh, in that case. So uh, yeah, both Reef uh, Dudes and uh, Fish of Hex looked like they agreed with the thing, man. And it, honestly, if anybody saw it in person, uh, I think you'd agree 100%. The only other question I, I just said, uh, or I asked, or somebody asked us uh, over the week was, hey, how come not the uh, 360Xs? Because the 360Xs also put all those LEDs under a single lens, and could you have used uh, 10 of those things instead? And absolutely, especially after installing them, uh, we installed it on the ULM, uh, uh, the softy one, as well as the LPS one uh, over the week, and like it looks really, really sharp in the tank. And you know, if energy efficiency, I don't know the actual energy efficiency of PAR or whatever, but like uh, you know, you don't have to use the diffuser on that to achieve a very similar result. I will tell you that without the diffuser, though, it still looks kind of sharp. You're not seeing scattered colors or anything like that. But the, you know, the, the shimmer lines coming from the Kessel bulb is definitely a sharper, more dramatic line. Whereas the diffuse lines are much more muted in a blend of shimmer lines with a diffused look. So uh, that would be, you know. Either one of those would be really awesome uh, solutions. And I don't think you'd go wrong with either one of them. Absolutely, they both pr produce results, uh, especially on the high end where it's not just uh, producing biological results, but it's also producing, uh, you know, aesthetically appealing tank that when I look at it, like, uh, you know, I'm like, man, that is sharp. That looks the way I want it to look in my home. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to answer a couple of these things uh, up here. Uh, can we see Aaron's little tank uh, from Jeff Kennedy there? Uh, yeah, man, you know what? I'm going to do another tour again sometime in the future. We'll probably just do tank tours at some point here, and you guys can see all the tanks. This time will be nice enough to let them uh, polish them up a little bit first. Uh, but, yeah, I, absolutely. So, yeah, Aaron's always had a little teeny tank on his desk. And for those you don't know, Aaron does all of uh, the measuring and uh, all the BRS Investigate stuff for us. All right, uh, let's see if we can answer any other questions. Uh, Luke is here. Ryan, on your ATI T5 fixture videos, you guys don't test the, a six bulb fixture, although you recommend nine inches above the surface with the six bulb unit. Would you change anything on that? Yeah, Lucas, you know what? Uh, this is what I would do. Uh, is with almost every light, I think the first thing that I would do is take a piece of paper 
and put it next to the tank and then have my buddy raise it until the light shines onto the tank, onto the piece of paper. And then I know I'm getting like spill into the room, which is, you know, visually, uh, you know, not appealing, but also like wasteful of energy, I guess. You know, so I'm going to want to mount these tanks per, or lights personally as high as I can, you know, to get the most even distribution of light and uh, spectrum blending, even with T5 bulbs, you know, that I can you know, without getting a tremendous amount of spill into the room. And that was one of those things, actually, we talked about the Orfix a little bit. And, you know, the Orfix uh, do a really good job, man. Uh, we mounted one over the E170 this week, and it's probably 16 inches off the tank, or at least, you know, probably 14 inches off the tank before any significant amount of spill goes into the room. So, you know, it's getting that light into a, you know, a rectangular shape into the tank that does really well. And at that height, blends the spectrums pretty well. So, you know, and the big thing, they also have this, like, acrylic sheet that's on the bottom of them. So it, like, protects the eye from seeing the light, you know, in a seated position. Because a, a lot of the lights out there that kind of have, like, lenses that come out of the bottom from a seated position you know, like in your sofa you would you know get kind of blinded if they're too high and with the orphic that wasn't the case so bravo to them for you know that feature on there uh, but yeah so with the t5s you know we measured them at different heights so you can kind of get an idea of you know how the light distribution happens i obviously couldn't measure it at every last inch you know going up uh, or every last bulb configuration but you know like difference between a four and an eight bulb if you want to go to a six I think you can probably just, you know, find the middle ground for those two and imagine a little bit of distribution effects. But again, raise it to the point that it spills and visually spills into the room. Turn off the lights, put some white paper on the sides and kind of see. Because the higher the better. You know, within reason, you know, maybe there's a thing like sitting down. I don't want to see it, so I'll put it a little closer. All right. Uh, John uh, Latsu. Is a diffuser just for looks, or would the blending the colors help with coral growth? All right, so that's a super awesome question, man, and I, I think it's going to be debated for a really long time. Uh, so, you know, what the diffuser is doing is, you know, shining all of the individual spectrums onto, you know, essentially like a white, you know, coated plate or whatever, and then, you know, re-emitting those photons into the tank in a more even dispersed pattern, and so. The argument for it doesn't matter would be it doesn't matter, you know, like if they're blended perfectly, if the coral is achieving or getting the same amount of that spectrum of photons, you know, like so the 460 peak. Doesn't matter if it's perfectly blended, if that like you know beam of those things is shooting around and hitting it just enough times that it hits the same thing, right? So you know, that would be the argument that it doesn't matter. But for that argument to be, you know, effective, you'd have to say that, like, it is actually hitting it the same. And we don't know that. And what we do know is all kinds of people have, you know, issues with different corals. Uh, you know, there's some, some corals out there specifically. Like, I know a lot of people have hard times with bubble tip and enemies, which isn't a coral. But, you know, there's different... You know, corals out there that just do not seem to like LEDs, and we—it isn't doesn't seem to be par. You know, and it absolutely could be you're blasting it with you know these individual laser beams of uh, spectrum. And when I say laser beams, I, mean, I can see in the bottom that there's this red dot shooting all over the place. You know, and it is, and sometimes not mobile. You know, especially underneath like the overhangs and stuff where it's dark. 
you can see, even when there's ripples on the top, stagnant red dots or green dots or sometimes even blue or different shades, it's just sitting there and it is reflecting off some surface. That means corals in there are getting like this you know, intense focus of those uh, spectrums and it can't be good for them. So can you have success without a diffuser? Man, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've all, like too many people have done it. But there's also like all of these challenges, man, over and over and over again. You see all these, you know, threads on people who are challenged with their LEDs and you just it doesn't come to an exact conclusion. But we're all using very similar tools, you know? And so, like, let's start solving some of the known problems, which is, you know, that T5 bulb was emitting a perfectly bended spectrum and not little laser beams of uh, LED lights, you know, refracted off of the surface into the little beams. It is uh, definitely not happening that way. So, you know, let's blend all those individual spectrums into one, man, and see the success that we get. And beyond that, Visually, it just looks better. So, like, I mean, it's a win on all fronts other than maybe a little bit of energy efficiency, I guess. But, you know, I'll spend the energy efficiency to do it. And I got to tell you, I think I'd be shocked, man, if the next wave of LEDs out there doesn't, you know, have, you know, diffusers as a – or either diffusers or putting all the LEDs under single lenses be the primary focus. It's just, you know – Every conversation I have behind the scenes with everybody that makes this stuff and, like, you know, all the you know, pro reefers or whatnot, everyone says, man, like, the diffuser is absolutely the future visually and biologically. This is where it's going. And, in fact, like, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, whoever comes out there and makes, like, a large panel diffuser is going to be rich. You know, like, whoever decides, like, all right, I'm going to be the next wave and I'm going to invest in it and buy, makes a light that, you know, looks like T5s or behaves like it, which is a large blanket of light, man, is absolutely going to be the next generation, man. Some people are going to buy it. In fact, I've pitched to a lot of the manufacturers that, like, one of the best solutions would probably be something real similar to like the Philips light, you know, which is like yay big, a little panel, you know, that you know, I guess is yay big. And it has a diffuser and has a grid uh, of lights on it. It's very much like T5 light, we're super diffused. And, you know, that's super great for like a LPS or a softy tank, wherever I got a couple of those guys over the tank that can be mounted pretty high. And even an SPS tank, you've got a bunch of them. But then, like, the ideal solution, like, sell these things for their application, you know. So that light is adequate, you know, even maybe even a little smaller one, man, is adequate for the application of a softy or LPS tank. So the, name the thing softy or LPS light, right? And then for those SPS junkies out there, man, like, who just, like, want wall-to-wall -wall SPS corals, who want big, huge colonies and whatever, then the best solution for sure is a giant panel of light that covers the whole tank, you know. Uh, it hits the corals from every angle, coats the uh, coral in uh, a well-branded uh, uh, amount of uh, photons from the right spectrum, and like, just unarguably, like, uh, you can d debate like what's going to sell the most. You can debate like uh, you know what's going to be the most profitable. You can debate anything. But if you're going to talk about what's going to produce the best results in a reef tank, 
there's going to be a large panel of well-diffused uh, light. You know, the easiest way to do that being uh, T5s, but, you know, you know, open and honest, you know, a lot of people just don't want to use bulbs uh, like, you know, T5s just seems like old technology. I will tell you, like, you know, that's kind of silly. It's just use technology that produces the results. But, you know, end of the day, man, like 99 or 8% of all new lighting is purchased for a tank is LEDs. So we just got to kind of own that. And, you know, a big panel of well-diffused uh, LEDs over a tank is going to produce super awesome results. All right, let's, let's pick another one. All right. Uh, do you have any, uh, Alex here, do you have any opinions on the Aquatic Life Edge? Uh, you know what? I don't know what life that is. Uh, so I'm going to have to pass on that one. Sorry. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got one down here on Facebook here. How is the disco ball effect on the Atlantic? Those individual LEDs seem to be pretty far apart. Hey, that's a good question, Paul. Uh, uh, down on Facebook here. So uh, the I would say because you mount the Orphic is designed to be mounted higher, it you know is less disco-y than the other options out, out there, but it still exists. Uh, you can still see you know the fact that you got a grid of LEDs above the tank that aren't diffused and. So you could say, oh, well, you know, oh, I guess I don't want that. But then you should definitely say, I, I don't want the hydras. I don't want the radions without diffusers. I don't want uh, the verbs. I don't, I don't want all of them. Man, like all of them do that. You know, I, every single one of them out there. The only ones that I've seen that, like, don't do that are the ones that have don't have the widest spectrum. Uh, and they tend to, you know, blend the various shades of only blue and white together and then it's just not as easy to visually see. It still kind of looks like a, uh, a scattered disco effect, but a scattered, uh, like a, a static TV and less disco-y because the colors aren't as prevalent, but like almost all of them will do that uh, to some degree. Some are better than others, but like end of the day that isn't the best solution is just to have bare leds refracting off the ripples of the water and just shooting all over the place so uh yeah do the orphic will definitely do that but I, I think it does it better than most because it's designed to be mounted high and again if you go down to the like hybrid series what we talk about a lot is with the leds the best thing you can do is mount them high you know and i think the lowest possible thing that they did uh, at worldwide was 13 and a half inches and it goes all the way up to 20 inches above the tank so even with lights that weren't necessarily designed for that so you know uh absolutely it exists you know maybe uh i mean to me the orphic honestly is probably the closest to being a panel of leds with a diffuser technologically wise like they could just put a diffuser on there and sell it uh so you know, hopefully they do something like that and hopefully maybe even the Phillips people you know finally decide to sell something here but you know their current design you know doesn't allow them to sell it in the US with the electrical standards of the way they are and uh, you know it's honestly a warehouse light that they repurposed for this thing so it's a big huge metal thing that is visually pretty ugly so unless you're going to be able to hide it and ultimately it just didn't seem like it was going to be real marketable in the united states even though we we're all pressuring to bring it here the company like phillips you know you have to have a business case of selling a gajillion of them to to make it worthwhile 
uh, or you repurpose a light that you already sell. So hopefully they'll change their mind, see a new opportunity. If not, hopefully the people that are in the reefing industry will recognize this opportunity and build something and sell it uh, to the people that solve the current you know, solution. It's just becoming more and more and more obvious that a large panel of LEDs is you know, best for specifically SPS tanks. Uh, all right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, okay, after fragging a coral, should I change the intensity for less uh, stress of the fragee? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I don't know. Uh, if you get the right part, then probably the answer is no. Uh, but if you are like pushing the edges and you're treating uh, par like horsepower, then absolutely, I think I would, you know, reduce the par for, you know, a bunch of frags or whatnot and, like, not try to push the limits of, you know, what they're capable of because they are going to start using metabolic energy to, you know, heal the tissue rather than growth at that point. So, uh, you know, in all honesty, man, honestly, I don't think I would. You know, if it's growing and it's super happy in there, I just wouldn't change anything. I'd keep stable and sim simple and stable. So, you know, I... I I would not change anything after I took an organism and cut it apart. I want to keep it as stable a system as possible. All right. All right. You know what? Let's see if we can put another question down here. Uh, Kirby here. How do we effectively diffuse the light produced uh, by primes and other similar LEDs which do not offer an out-of-the-box diffuser? Uh, you know... That's tough. You know, a lot of people are going to go and try to buy, like, a, you know, a diffuser plate from, you know, Home Depot, uh, like uh, something designed for, like, T5s or whatnot, or just a sheet of plastic or something. And I'll just say that, actually, that's a good point. You know, so in our other areas of our lives, man, we utilize energy for a desired benefit. So, like, uh, here I got, you know, T5 or light, or I got fluorescent lighting all over the warehouse, right? And, like, I don't want bulbs shining in my face, so we use various forms of diffusers, you know, so that the light is pleasant in the office space, you know. And we're definitely losing energy by doing that, but I don't want a bunch of bare bulbs shining into the, ha into the room because it's going to be blinding and just not going to look good in the room. So we want a softer, more diffused look in the room. Same thing with the tank, man. I'm going to use a diffuser to do the same thing. I want a softer, you know, more... Uh, uh, in this case, I need to blend a bunch of bulbs even into a spectrum. Like if, if I was using T5s here even, or fluorescence here, and like one of these bulbs, you know, they separated it out, and one was blue, one was green, and one was red, uh, and I wanted white, like I would definitely use a diffuser in that case. I wouldn't just let blue be over there and red be over there. I just, I would have to. So, but to answer your question, like what I would do, uh, I think it's called uh, Rolux or Tough. Rolux or something. There's like diffuser material out there, and it might even be the stuff they're using in a lot of it. But you know, the stuff is designed specifically to diffuse and blend light sources together, and so it's an engineered material. And you can find it like B&H Photo and stuff, and they use it, you know, for photography or video use or whatnot, where they got different types of lighting they want to blend together or soften or whatnot. And like you can get big rolls of it, like 150 bucks. I think in our video, if you go over to Reef to Reef, in the link in the video, I actually post to some of the ones that I would suggest you trying at least anyway. Uh, but you can get much smaller stuff than the rolls for like 10 bucks, and you can probably get a square yay big of this material. 
and you can go research it and try different ones if you want. Some of them are designed to you know really diffuse it. Some of them are designed to keep a hot spot in the center, but add diffusion to it. And they even have like pictures of how it all goes. But maybe uh, if Randy or uh, Adam are nice, they could go over to that forum and post a, a link up here for everybody. Uh, and I, I don't know what page it's on, but you can find a B&H photo. Again, the, po the link I post to is a whole roll, so it's like 150 bucks. But you can find you know just a little square of it for 10 bucks. And that's what if I was going to do a do-it-yourself solution to uh, uh, try to diffuse it, I, I would do that. Uh, I guess I try a frosted piece of glass, but I would expect really huge loss of, uh, of par in those cases. And you know, in this material, it's designed to let light through because it's still trying to illuminate something. It's just trying to use an engineered material to illuminate it in a very specific way, rather than just lighting the let all of the light through. So uh, I would try, you know, the distance from it and exploring that. So with the primes, I guess that's what I would do. I might. If I had a hood, I might try to build something, you know, that hold the stuff taut. I, I don't know. Uh, but that would be a really, actually, uh, uh, the much more affordable method of implementing a wide grid, grid of uh, LEDs uh, under that than, you know. Actually, you know, honestly, the it'd be awesome if uh, AI, man, came out with a very similar little diffuser panel. It would it would be much less par because that, that guy isn't that bright, you know, at that size. But... You know what, man? It'd be worth it, I, I think. You know, and, and I, I don't know. I, I know specifically one of the reasons why it works so well in the current format with the Radions is actually because they use those HEI lenses. So even though the you know diffuser plate is only probably an inch or you know three quarters of an inch or so from the lenses, the HEI lens just spreads it out so wide inside the diffuser plate the fuser plate looks white instead of little specks of green and red and stuff, you know. So, you know, it's the combination of those HEI lenses in the uh, XR15s and 30s with that plate that allows them to make it still pretty thin and, and work real well. So uh, I don't know if that would be the case if they could just pop one on a, a, a prime or not. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, do you use acclimation mode when adding new coral? Uh you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of that, you know, because then I'm going to have to, you know, reduce the stability for the rest of the tank and all the corals that are probably in there. What I would do is put the coral, you know, in a, you know, not dark area, but a lower par area and, you know, kind of move it around and decide where it looks like it seems to be best before gluing it to the final location. So you can kind of create your own acclimation mode for a new coral, but I wouldn't, like, Every time I add a new coral, decide to like screw with the biology of every other coral that's in the tank. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, okay, so uh, Greg Carroll here. Doesn't the prime have diffused optics? You know, I, I guess that's true in a case. You know, so in the prime, it's kind of like frosted in there, so you're getting a little bit less of a sharp edge on you know what's shooting into the tank, but. What it isn't doing is blend using that diffuser plate to blend all of those individual spectrums into one. So you might be getting like a little wider, you know, uh, more, I don't know if diffuse is the right word, man. But you're getting a different angle of incidence going into the tank, you know, using that frosted lens. 
but the frosted lens isn't capturing all of the light cones and you know blending them into one cohesive spectrum. So, I mean, you could call it that, but I don't think it's effectively doing what we're talking about today. All right. Uh, how many hours is too many hours from Shane uh, Skyers there? So you know what? Uh, I got two things. I guess you know what? I'm moving towards 12 in 12 hour uh, on cycles and. You know, uh, a little higher. I'm following the you know the worldwide thing now. You know, and it just works. I have a hundred different things that work for me, but I guess why not try theirs? Uh, and theirs is like a little higher par for the first like five hours of the day, and then a little lower par and a little bluer spectrum uh, later on in the day. And you know, for the last you know seven hours or whatnot, I had to get the actual spectrum or you know chart out, but it is uh, about 12 hours what I'm shooting for. And I, I don't really shoot for the ramp thing. You know, one of the things, like, the ramp thing sounds kind of cool, like you're creating this kind of sundown, sunset deal. But, you know, what you find, if you look at, like, a lot of Dana Riddle's, uh, or Dana Riddle's uh, studies is, like, you know, the coral is actually doing its best photosynthesis in the morning, like the first hours between, like, you know, 7 and 10. And then the last hours between, you know, I'm going to make this up, but like, you know, three and, and, you know, six or whatnot. During the day from where it's at highest intensity, it's actually protecting itself from the sun, you know, and slowing photosynthesis rates down intentionally. So, like, they just find the pocket that, you know, the thing is doing, the, the coral is doing the best at, and just leave it in there, you know, for the whole time and, and not have to worry about, you know, you know, creating the perfect arc or large ramp times. I don't like to just turn it on and off, but, you know, honestly, man, people have been turning it on and off with the T5 lights forever, and that didn't present, you know, problems for anybody. So uh, we do here like a half-hour ramp time, just kind of slowly build it up, you know, so it's a little less shocking per se, but who knows if the coral even considers that shocking or not, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Too many hours? I wouldn't go past 12, uh, but, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, did eight for a really long time. And, and some of that was about, you know, the bulb longevity and, you know, viewership. You know, that's the thing, actually. What I would do is, you know, try to design something around, you know, when I'm going to be home. You know, so in general, man, I got an eight-hour day. It takes me a half hour to get back and forth to work. So it's nine hours. Like, well, for me, it's probably 11. But, you know, like... You know, at some point, I want to make sure I can get enjoy this tank. So, you know, I would definitely myself. I probably wouldn't get to enjoy it in the morning at all. At all, so I don't really care about that end. But like at night, I'm gonna schedule that that cycle so that during the three hours that you know I'm active at night when I get home, you know, I want the tank to be on. You know, and so you know, it's not necessarily longevity, but an, an idea of when. And, you know, I think in, in coral labs, they tried to identify, and they're probably going to look into it deeper, and we might look into it deeper here with Investigates, is, you know, is, you know, 300 par for, you know, 10 hours the same as 200 par for, uh, you know, or I should say 200, uh, 200 par for 10 hours the same as 300 par for 7 hours. You know, can you go uh, higher for a shorter period of time? And, you know, if the coral is, you know, producing, you know, adequate amount of photosynthesis and energy and it's going up 30%, maybe because it's producing that much more sugar, sugar that will stay inside the, inside the coral. And it could be that way. It's certainly going to be adequate uh, in either case. So, all right. What else we got here? All right, Terrence. 
Have you shared your WWC BRS Radeon settings via Sheem and Apex Fusion? If so, uh, under which account so we can find it? I have not shared our uh, Radeon settings in the Sheem, but you know what? You can. That's one of the cool things about the Apex, you know, I'll give Terrence a plug here, uh, is there's a lot of different settings. When you use the Apex, you can go into a Sheem, find out what everybody else is doing, specifically the BRS team, search for it, and just implement it. So uh, I'll make sure if we do that that uh, Randy or uh, Adam post that, uh, you know, the comments of this specific video uh, or in the the reef-to-reef thread. All right. Uh, okay. Don't reefs experience cloudy and waving conditions, and does PAR need to uh, you know change daily? So you know, Robert, I, I agree, man. It's a double so if you are in going to ride the edge, man. Can you give the corals a break, man? Like, do they need to be hitting you know max PAR all the time? Uh, can it, you know, in the wild, they're going to get a, a respite from a cloud that passes over the sun, you know. Uh, but, you know, in that case, those things are give, they're giving themselves respites. They're just show, shutting down photosynthesis to some degree. So, uh, so this is what I would say. If you are, you know, going to ride the edge, man, and you're going to go out there and have 450 par in your tank, uh, you know, finding ways to give it a break uh, here and there wouldn't be a terrible idea. Uh, will it produce results? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of, you know, you're just, you know, we all like to try to mimic nature as much as possible. Uh, will it produce results? I don't know. So that's kind of like where I go. Like, keep it simple and stable. Like, I, I don't think, you know, lightning storms over any, you know, benefit at all. You know, uh, clouds, maybe. Uh, you know, you know dust and dawn, you know, ramps, maybe. But if you go ahead and look at the type of success that WWC is achieving with those three tanks uh, and say, well, I'd be satisfied with that. Well, there you're done. You don't have to have any more conversation about it. Like that produces results, and you know, cloud effects may actually reduce the, uh, just as likely to reduce the effects. You know, change in rates of photosynthesis all the time. If you can find a nice stable rate where everything's happy and healthy and producing, you know, the growth and coloration you're looking for, like why mess with it? It's producing results. So, I'd leave that for like the trailblazers, and as I always like to say, you know, trailblazers are the first ones to get shot in the back. You know, so. You know, it's fun. You're out in front of everybody, but don't be surprised, man, if it doesn't go your way. Uh, you are definitely learning. Your tank is now the experiment for the rest of us, you know. So you can decide if that's what you want to do or if you just want results. And both those answers are right, you know, like because doing experiments is part of the fun of it for a lot, a lot of us. So, uh, you know what, there's no problem with either one of those things. All right. <laughs> When LEDs start to age and decline, do they reduce PAR output or just spectrum uh, get jacked too? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question, Ryan. Uh, I would presume that they absolutely, I mean, I know that they lose uh, output. I would presume based on the data sheets that I've seen from many of them that they would shift spectrum as well over time. And to me, that, I guess, would be part of the reasons why I would look for anything that has a, an active cooling system, uh, meaning that it's monitoring the actual temperature of these things, you know, and capable of uh, keeping the temperature uh, in the LED the, the right temperature within the threshold that doesn't prematurely age it. Uh, 
you know, if you treat the things like they're throwaway products because uh, they're cheap, then so be it. But if you want a product that is going to last, you're not going to have to keep mounting it and, you know, taking it out or measuring it and wondering whether you're doing it right, you know, something that has an adequate cooling option will mitigate those changes over time. But the LEDs last a pretty long time as long as they're cared for. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, let's see here. Uh, how often would you recommend changing T5 bulbs? Uh, I used to change them every six months. Is that still the standard? Hey, Wendy, uh, I'd go check out a video we have uh, on where we measured how long you change them or you should change them out. I've heard everything from uh, three months, which is in, you know, insane. Uh, but that was actually in the Zeovit method. Is I think I can't believe it. It says every three months uh, in the catalog or the instruction booklet for them. But like a lot of people say, every nine months. Everybody says you know twelve months. You know they, they whatever. And some people never change them. What I found was, you know, I think I would probably change them somewhere between, you know, right around 18 months. So, like, about a year and a half is where I would see, you know, the, enough drop-off that I would change them. But, again, in that Investigates video, you can, you know, watch actually, you know, how they drop off, you know, every three months or so. And so, you know, I checked that out. I found that dimming them didn't really seem to have a major effect on them. In fact, they may even last longer dimmed. Uh, I found the ATI bulbs were my personal favorite, and they lasted the longest and had the most stable stable output. Uh, the spectrum shift that everybody's talked about, they say it's you know yellowing over time. I gotta tell you, I think it's just a myth. Uh, you know, maybe that's in halides more, but like I did not see any you know real spectrum shift uh, in the lamps over time the blue ones like the blue plus almost zero uh the fuller spectrum bulbs like just a little little bit of green or yellow but like as somebody who's actually you know played with all the leds measured them monitored it visually like if you can see that difference man like I can't barely see it with a measurement tool, much less the eye. So you are super, super in tune with your tank if you can see that kind of spectrum shift. So I guess for me, you know, this isn't going to do something awesome for our T-bulb saves, but I, I wouldn't change them as frequently as you're changing them. I let them go for like 18 months uh, personally, uh, you know, but that's still up to choice. Uh, Reef Dudes, uh, the PAR meter rental is a cool service. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who don't know, we are now renting uh, PAR meters here. It's like 40 or 50 bucks. There's two of them. There's a 510 and the 210. People ask which one I should get. I would tell you get the 210. Save yourself 10 bucks. Uh, they're going to produce almost identical results. Uh, the 510 is a little bit more accurate. I won't go into you know all the details as to why, but like only marginally. So the the uh, better in this case to me would be like if you care about the difference between a measurement of uh, 250 par versus 260 well then get the 510 send this 10 bucks uh, but in all reality nobody is tuning their tank that you know closely like they're going to refine it to the point that you know 210 and 230 make a difference they're we're just trying to ballpark it you know the tool really is only designed to make sure that I'm not like blasting the corals and doing 800 par in certain spots. It's making sure that not only is it adjusted to hit the par range that I'm looking for, but also that it's you know raised and distributed in a manner where there isn't giant hot spot spots and dark spots. And the dark spots you just can't see with your eye, man. Like 
you can see really dark spots with your eye, but you know it isn't the difference between 300 par and 600 par visually is almost nothing. Uh, visually, it's, it's almost impossible to tell. You have to have a really, really, really well-trained eye and probably a tool that you could confirm it with even uh, to get a better idea of, of what you're doing. Uh, and so that's kind of part of the thing here, man, is, uh, you know, what we've uh, discussed in the video, and I'll just bring home, like, super, super home. Like, these things are not toys. You know, the, like, app that I bring out and I start monkeying with my light and I'm changing the spectrum all over the place and it's fun, man. It's like uh, almost like Candy Crush, you know, I'm playing with it all the time. So, like, it isn't that, man. It's a life support mechanism. I am, you know, providing energy for an animal that desperately needs this energy to survive. You know, and they've grown a millennia under certain spectrums, and they will absolutely adapt to all kinds of different spectrum mixes in the tank as long as it's probably not way outside the norm, like getting blasted with red all day long or green and a laser beam. You know, but like they'll adapt to anything. What they won't adapt to is me changing it every Thursday because, uh, you know, I want to do it or showing my friends what it does and then I forget and leave it in that, you know, arrange. It's not a toy. Like it is a, you know, life support mechanism. Change it to what you want it to and then leave it alone. You know, don't keep playing with it. Uh, and so, you know, also the par, man, the par is like a new conversation that just isn't, I mean, I shouldn't say new conversation, but it, it's a newer, more important conversation. It used to be because before we had these like readily available standards, you know, use two of these halide bulbs and this reflector, you're done. You don't have to measure par, you know, like this is the lighting source that you need to achieve this result. You know, grab your six bulb T5, plug it in the wall, man, use some bulbs that uh, everybody uses, bump, you're done. Like there is no question. You know, like, hey, you want a little bit more par? Hey, man, we'll do an eight ball one then instead. You know, you'll increase the par 25% or whatnot. You know, so, like, it was a really easy, you know, solution. Like, it, it, overdoing it was difficult. And now, you know, with so little understanding of how these, you know, highly focused, you know, pucks of light, you know, that almost all of these uh, popular modules are doing is, you know, just, like, like it's producing, like if I mount it uh, eight inches out the tank, man, the par right underneath this thing at max is like 800, you know. Uh, it's three times what we'd recommend. You're going to kill stuff, you know. Like it just isn't easy to tune these things to what you're looking for. And uh, what I would call it is par wars, you know. It, and in, like you could blame the manufacturers if you want. They certainly own some accountability in producing products that are capable of killing the coral. But really, it's what the consumer wanted, man. Like, I can't tell you how many times I hear, I don't want a Kessel because, uh, you know, it doesn't have as much par as something else. Like, the Kessel intentionally does not have what I call kill mode in it. It intentionally doesn't have so much light that you're capable of killing stuff with it, you know. And so, and it's designed to be using a, you know, a certain pattern with the amount of these things near each other. Uh, and so use it as you want, but like it's not going to produce this super laser beam of light going into the tank. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, for me, having a PAR meter is like critical. If I want to, especially in an SPS tank where I'm probably going to invest a fortune over the years into these corals, but the PAR meter, man, like it, one coral, 
one coral dies, they should have got the par meter, you know, especially over the years. If the coral actually turned into a colony and then shaded itself because I implemented the par wrong, you know, this is a $300 colony now. Maybe, you know, in some worlds, thousands, you know. So, like, if they were fragged out and it's super special, you know. So, like, in a $40 par tool and, you know, making sure that I implement the lighting properly is nothing. So it was a big deal, though, when it was 500 bucks. You know, buy, paying 500 bucks for a tool that you're going to use, like, you know, for a week or so is, uh, you know, a pretty hard pill to swallow. You know, but to rent one for 50 bucks, you know, implement my lights, measure, and you know what? Like, it ain't that hard, you know? Like, you can do it inside of 15 minutes, you know? Uh, just change the lights until you got the par in the different places that you want. You may learn that I needed a couple extra lights to get rid of the low or high spots and get rid of the, you know, laser beams at 800 par at the top and, you know, raise them up higher or whatnot. But for me, if I'm going to do an SBS only tank, the uh, par tool or the par meter, probably the Best 40 bucks I could spend on the whole tank, man. Like, I've, probably nothing out there is going to give me the return on investment of measuring the par and implementing it properly. So, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Reef Dudes, for letting us, uh, for talking about the uh, par re rental service. I, I think there's like 20 of them out there. They'll probably add more as people get used to it. I will say, you know, there's like a complaint out there that we uh, charge a pretty substantial deposit on these things, and let's make sure it gets back here uh you know you're buying with a credit card man you know like the interest on the thing is going to be like three bucks by next month if you return it on time you could even order the thing at the beginning of the month and return it before that probably never even see a charge on your credit card so uh you know uh, outside of you're not using a credit card i don't know like maybe we'll uh, implement a, a better way of doing that you know, you know hold the charge or something but you know right now we don't do that with everything else so we'd have to implement a whole bunch of technology to achieve that and I just wanted to get this thing out to people as fast as we possibly could and make it available to people that want to use these things. Send it in, you know, and uh, send it back. It's a pretty minimal charge in the end. All right. Uh, Robert Noah, is the ability to tweak color the main reason why we switched to LEDs? T5 seemed to be one of the most solid and stable ways to create a successful reef tank. You know what, man? I mean, uh, Robert, this is a good question uh, because... Uh, honestly, man, like if you want results, well, what do you do? And funny, actually, one of the comments in here was uh, take a shot every time Ryan says results. And, uh, you know, I say it a lot because that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a myth, you know. Uh, I'm not looking for, you know, some kind of I hope it does something. Man, I want actual results. And if I have a bank of T5s, which is well-diffused light, and I plug it in the wall, I'm going to get results out of it. So why would I switch to LEDs? You know, so, I mean, there's like the first and foremost is just because I don't want, you know, a archaic technology on top of my tank, which is a terrible reason, to be honest, man. Like, but uh, you know what? I just, people don't want, they want to buy LEDs, man. They want LED headlights. They want LED lamps for their house. They want LEDs. Like nobody's buying fluorescent tubes for anything anymore. So like... It's just doesn't matter, man. It's just hard to get people to want to go backwards in, in terms of technology. But there are real benefits, you know. So, you know, it's specifically if I'm not doing a super challenging tank, I'm doing like a SPS tank or, a, or I mean, an LPS tank, softy tank, or a uh, like a mixed tank with really well placed corals that are intentionally going into the par areas that I want. You know, like something like a Radeon XR30 or whatnot, like. 
you know, is really low profile, man. It's super, super small. It looks way better visually on the tank than a giant panel of uh, T5 bulbs, which is, you know, not necessarily the most attractive thing out there. Uh, you know, and so, you know, visually it's more attractive. The ability to uh, tweak the color absolutely is one of the main reasons. So tweak it and then leave it alone. You know, it isn't because it's a toy that I can tweak it all the time and play with the animal's life support. It's so I can tweak it to what I visually want, and almost certainly the animal will adapt to that as long as I'm not like way, 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 way outside of you know suggested norms. Uh, the animal will adapt to it. What it won't adapt to is changing it every three weeks. You know, I'd say a lot of these things, the adaptive uh, you know curve is like three months. So I change something. And it probably won't be happy with it for, you know, three months. You might not be able to visually see it unless you, like, did something really outside of its norm. But, like, three months is where you'll start to see the benefit is stability of not touching or changing anything. Six months is where you really start to see it. And at the year, if you haven't changed anything, things just explode. You won't believe the type of growth that you get. I'm not just talking about lighting. I'm talking about everything. So if you leave everything alone and keep it stable for a year growth is explosive you know when i'm constantly trying to change things spend so much energy trying to adapt so yeah man use the colors to switch up to you know what it is you want it to look like in the tank and then leave it alone you know obviously energy efficiency is one of the reasons that people use uh, uh leds and i'll say the biggest energy efficiency savings will be over like halides where you generally needed to have a chiller not all cases but a lot of them and the chiller energy consumption was super high. But like, you know, when you really look at like a bank of T5s and the amount of power it's putting out versus a bank of LEDs, I think you're gonna be kind of disappointed with, you know, how much energy savings you really got. Uh, it isn't, you know, to achieve the same dispersion uh, especially if you're using something like a, the ATI lights where, you know, they're, act, or they're cooled to the right temperature. And if you had a PAR meter, you could actually find the right temperature for your uh, household and, you know, the input uh, air, I guess I should say. And so, you know, what else are the reasons, man? Uh, you know, the ability to create dusk and dawn effects. I can put moonlights and stuff in there. Uh, and you know what, uh, like, like the, uh, reef, the WWC team has like a daylight, you know, uh, portion where I get to see the, cor the corals in a different spectrum than I do at night, you know, and, you know, it changes throughout the day to some degree, but they're, you know, adapted to that change now, you know, and the different biological elements are probably happening differently throughout the day, but, you know, they are... Uh, adapted to that change but with that different with LEDs I get to see the corals in different lights so some things are just gonna look a lot better in a fuller spectrum light and some things are just gonna pop and look really super cool in that bluer light that may happen at different portions of the day and really at night I can use those LEDs to create that you know kind of twilight you know that probably biologically doesn't do a whole lot for the coral but like uh, allows me to like you know look at the tank you know in a whole different uh, aspect so there's you know aesthetic reasons i'd say there's i'm not i'm not, I'm not going to say this entirely but near no biological benefit to leds in fact you know like 
almost everything about the LEDs is a step backward in terms of you know biolog you know biological benefits because it's just so hard to use those tiny pinpoints of you know really unique spectrum of light and blend them together into one universal cohesive light you know so uh, you know that's I guess what I would say about those so if you uh, want to use T5s, man? Uh, that's the kind of results that you're going to achieve. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, so we got, it's been about 55 minutes, so I'm going to take this, uh, you know, as long as you guys are answering questions for a little while and just kind of wrap it up at, at some point. But uh, what else we got here? Uh, do you guys swap the A360Ws and the BRS160 with the 360Xs, and what setting do you have them at, and what setting are they on now, max intensity and color? Okay, yeah, we did swap them, uh, and uh, I'm not going to remember exactly, but I know they're at 50% intensity, and there's five of them on there, and I think during the day for the first part, there's like 20% red, it's 30% uh, or color, and then at the end of the day, it goes, or the middle of the day, it goes down to, I think, zero red and like zero color so the bluest setting possible uh, I'll probably share the exact details on that I also raised the lights up a little bit so they're about 12 inches uh, now the, L the LED is 12 inches off the actual water so we did switch it and I can tell you you know it's probably hard to see in, in this video but you know visually with the eye the color and the tank is better uh, and the power was distributed better and overall I mean like I wouldn't tell the average Joe to go out and you know rip all their A360s out their tank and replace them with these. But if I was going to buy new, the 50 bucks, man, no brainer. Uh, what I do like for sure is the spectral controller that works with this guy in a single cord, and uh, much better than like the AP700s, which I know I had to use a you know, Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi is always dink, you know dinking around with it and maybe work, especially when one like one is like a master to all the other ones. It's really you know, sometimes they'll uh, they lose link with each other and I just prefer a cord to be honest uh, if as long as I can hide the cord like I can in this case uh, I would absolutely just prefer a cord uh, when switching from LED to LED and T5 how long should it takes for the corals to adjust so you know what I, I think I mentioned this earlier but I think you know three months you know would be you know pretty good and don't be surprised if things kind of like brown out a little bit or you see some changes that they just don't like it uh, and like don't go necessarily switching it back or switching it to something else, trying to find out what they like because they're actually going to like that worse, you know. And so it's just going to be all willy-nilly, you know, uh, all over the place. Let's see. I'm going to pick up a couple of questions here, uh, see if there's any good ones that I really wanted to hit on. Uh, hey, you know, this one's good uh, from Kevin Watkins. Uh, can't you guys just do a back-to-the-basics build? Most people can't afford all this cutting-edge tech. Back-to-the-basics, what works, what doesn't, budget build, something besides what the most expensive stuff they make, and wow, it works, lol. Uh, you know what? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't blame uh, Kevin. Probably didn't make it through the whole video. But, you know, that's why we're at the end of these things. I'm trying really hard to, you know, produce, you know, uh, an affordable option, you know, what most people are doing, and this super expensive option that if you wanted every, you know, available benefit that you would do that and you know uh, and that's why we're trying to pick those cheaper options and I think what we said in there is like go buy the like you know horticulture t5 bulb that I think we sell or not bulb but fixture and like results won't be your problem you will absolutely be able to grow SPS corals with this and it will look nice uh, it won't shimmer and you won't have all the fun apps and stuff uh, you know but part of this also I think we just need to like kind of 
accept the fact that we got a pet that we put in our house, you know, and, you know, my dog probably cost me thousands of dollars a year. And if I think about how much I feed him, you know, my, like, you know, visible fence I put in for him, the amount of stuff that he damages, you know, all the things, man, this is a pet, you know, and uh, even your cat probably is, a, you know, not the cheapest thing in the world. But this isn't just a pet, like a fish tank, like I put some fish in there, that's pretty cheap. What I'm actually trying to do is take a section of a reef and move it into my household, you know, and, uh, you know, that isn't the cheapest thing to do, you know. So, like, you know, I think you, most people could set up a really awesome one for two grand in their house, and that's probably what it costs to, you know, take care of a dog for a couple of years. You know, in most cases, if you're doing it real well and taking them to the vet like they should and getting their shots and everything, uh, if you don't do it well, you know, it's probably cheaper. You know, uh, but like, uh, it also depends on how much effort you want to put in your diet. You know, you want to buy some, you know, cheap grocery store food. You know, uh, certainly adequate. You know, catch probably a little long time other people are going all the way and they're feeding raw food you know and blending up chickens and stuff beak and all you know and and the organs and everything you know, it's you know their natural diet well that's more expensive you know so you know there's like everything has this thing so i just think acknowledgement a little bit of yeah i mean this isn't like how this hobby isn't necessarily the cheapest thing out there and super easy for absolutely everyone to do but like you can absolutely buy a hundred and fifty dollar t5 light and put it over the tank and produce a solid tank we have all of the options that like you know a two thousand dollar tank or five thousand dollar tank has but man you can absolutely do this and have uh, an awesome awesome reef tank so you know thanks for kevin man just bringing it out making it real you know uh you know we talk about a lot of things and you know, the nature of it, this, you know, what we do here isn't, you know, how's never as the option, man, how is the cheapest possible way to do this? Uh, like, it just isn't in my DNA. My DNA is, man, how do I care for these animals the best, you know? And I can do that at a couple different price points in what I would call adequate or acceptable, you know, uh, this is taking care of this animal as well. Uh, but, like, you know, cheapest isn't ever been the way for me, and like cheapest doesn't produce the best results. So, uh, you know, it may produce some type of result, you know, and, and an acceptable one maybe, but like that isn't our goal. Uh, our goal is to, you know, take care of the animals properly. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, Mark Lopez asked, can you do a second video series covering LPS tanks? I think that's a great idea. Uh, you know what? Hopefully, uh, after this one's done, because this one's going to give you the roadmap. Um, hopefully, what we're going to take all this information, there'll be like, you know, uh, I don't even know how many hours of information and debate and whatever we'll talk about. But uh, hopefully, I'll boil it down into like one little sheet, man. You know, XYZ, man, I can check off the little boxes on, you know, eight different things. And, man, I have success. It's done. Like, hopefully, we'll boil it down into a method or system that is really easy to replicate. And then we can do that for an LPS tank. Tell you exactly the best way to do it. Probably won't be that different. Uh, just some par changes, some flow changes, uh, and maybe a little bit of nutrient changes, but, like, less, less effort into probably chemistry and whatnot. Uh, well, let's see here. Let me see if there's another one in here. Uh, hey, having uh, Brian N. Having a, 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 a Red Sea Reefer 170, would a single XR15 with a diffuser be as good or better than using an XR15 with the Aquatic Life T5 Hybrid? Or would using the XR15 with a diffuser and the T5 Hybrid be the best? All right, this is a good question, uh, actually. So the diffuser, well, visually, the XR15 uh, on the, I think that's like a, 
you know, 37 gallon tank or something like that. But like uh, the diffuser on that thing will visually make it look really sharp. I won't see any, you know, hot spots or, you know, scattered lights shooting all over the place and it will look really nice. But it won't be that, you know, end-to-end blanket of light, you know, for the whole tank. So that's where the uh, hybrid option comes in with the aquatic life, adding those banks of T5s on the side of it. Now, biologically, I've coated the whole tank in a blanket of light that's super hard to shadow, hits the corals from a variety of angles and what we're looking for. And then asking, would the XR15 diffuser with the T5 hybrid be the best? And I'll just go ahead and say it. If I'm going to do it that way, I'd probably use the Kessel. Uh, I probably wouldn't do, use the diffuser because once I take that naturally diffused light from the XR15 with the diffuser, and then I diffuse it even more with the, the uh, T5s on the side, I'm probably going to lose almost all of the shimmer in the tank, right? And now, you could just not use a diffuser on the uh, Radeon, but I'm still now going to get you know, what I'm going to visually be able to see probably is some hot spots. It's going to make it a lot, lot better because I'm going to blend all that out with the T5s. But I'll probably visually be able to see some spectrum hot spots shooting around. And whereas if I use the Kessel, it seems to be like the perfect T5 LED hybrid for me. Uh, it has one, you know, uh, spot of light on there. It's well blended spectrum under a single lens. Creates one point of shimmer rather than tons of them. And then blend that out with the T5s and, uh, you know, really my perfect solution. In fact, that's what you're looking at, you know. Well, actually, right now it's only the LEDs behind me. But, and, you know, the camera doesn't always do it justice. But, yeah, that is the best possible solution. So I probably wouldn't do the XR15 diffusers uh, mixed with the t T5s. All right. Uh, you know, I'm going to just state a couple of things right before we answer a couple more questions and wrap this up. And for me, man, uh, if I could wrap all the whole thing up and I could just tell you, like, this is the one thing that I would do for lighting with an SPS tank. And, like, you don't have to sit through the debate. I probably should have put this right at the beginning, uh, both episodes maybe, but, you know, this is it. It's 100, for the SPS tank, yeah, I want 150 to 350 par. I really just shoot for 250 and as much of the tank as possible, knowing that the top regions is going to be a little higher and in the corners it's going to be a little lower. You know, if I can shrink that range up and be, you know, even closer to the 250, I would, you know. Uh, but, you know, the more benefit uh, from being more diffused and even as possible. Uh, and a blanket of light, so uh, we're just looking for that blanket of light that hits the corals from a wide degree of angles. In the end of the story, man, this is what I would say, is if it isn't going to be T5 lighting, it should behave like T5 lighting. Uh, that's just like the mentality I should look at it like. It should be a big blanket coat of light, and that will produce the results. And again, remember, I'm not talking about my tank uh, day one that has little one-inch frags in it because almost any light source will probably work for those things. It's when not only does the coral get really big and start to shade itself, but the coral next to it starts to shade it and intertwine with it. Like now, man, like getting light to this thing is a challenge. And so, you know, I want to think about that beforehand or at least uh, acknowledge today I'm going to use XR15s uh, and I'm going to spend half the money and usually only half of them. And down the road, I'll add some more in or whatnot. But, you know, ultimately by then you'll probably just want new lighting when it comes out. You know, so I don't, I don't know if that's the case. But like, uh, 
Yeah, so if it isn't T5s, it should behave like T5s. Hey, and for all of those who are wondering, uh, on the uh, X or the E Series 170, we ultimately decided. You know, I looked at the YouTube comments, and the YouTube comments said uh, largely go with the Orphic on that tank. And uh, I almost actually, I did put it on there. We hung it. I'll probably throw it on uh, Ask Beerus TV over on Facebook or maybe my Instagram, uh, Ryan Beerus, but take some pictures of what it looks like because uh, it looks really sharp it's hung up there did really good awesome job and then i made the mistake of putting the poll in that group about which one would you like to see and by far like three to one was uh they want the aquatic life with the hydra 26 that came with the fixture that's what people want to see and ultimately it isn't it's the best option of the two. Uh, the Orphic, man, if I don't want to run T5 bulbs, is awesome. It looks super sharp, has really wide range of uh, color, and uh, like we measured it, and it would absolutely produce results. There's no question. Uh, but like the T5s, like if it isn't T5s, it should behave like it. Well, if you have them to begin with, and it's the best option. Uh, and uh, coupled with the 26, the AI Hydra 26 that came with that, that is absolutely the cheapest option. And and like what we're going to roll with for that tank. So uh, there's that. So I'll answer uh, just a couple more questions here, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, for me, man, really, uh, the lighting thing was super important to me because it like just doesn't have to be hard. Just uh, acknowledge what we're trying to achieve, uh, and then it becomes really easy. I'm trying to achieve a blanket of light over the tank, you know. And again, this is specific to an SPS tank, uh, LPS tanks, and whatever are a lot easier. All right. Uh, any research in trying to use a 12 gain nano here? Uh, is there any research in trying to use mirrors or reflectors to illuminate the fronts and undersides of corals instead of being a complete shadow? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about that kind of thing. Like, especially like if I'm going to go bare bottom, like now the bottom's black instead of white and whatnot. And like, you know, ultimately anything that you put on the tank that is going to be there stagnant is going to turn purple. You know, if you're doing it right, you're going to grow coralline algae everywhere. So, you know, the bottom of the tank's ultimately going to be purple no matter what, you know. Uh, especially, like, if people talk about gluing sand down or whatever, that's exactly what happens. Uh, if I put a mirror down there, eventually it's just going to turn purple if I'm doing it right. Uh, and so, like, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely ways to get around that. And so, you know, sand, uh, the reason it doesn't turn purple, you know, permanently is because it's tumbling over itself and turning over. And it doesn't have a chance to do that. And for that, you just have to weigh, you know, is uh, the benefits of the uh, extra flow better than the light? And in every case that I can consider, I mean, there's other reasons to hand, have sand. You know, aesthetics and biology for certain fish are the biggest ones. But, like, outside of just, like, if I'm going to have better results with my tank, I think the PAR reflection off the bottom of the tank is going to be, you know, pale in comparison to the ability to add serious amounts of flow to the tank. Uh, That's just going to be a, a way bigger benefit in that case. But the mirrors, uh, if it was on the bottom or even sides or whatever, probably turns purple unless you keep them real clean. Uh, you know, in fact, in most cases uh, that I've seen, like, mirrors and just white produce very similar results, you know, like, marginally different you know but like i've seen a lot of tanks that like had white backgrounds and stuff in there oh this is the other piece of it why like nobody would use a lot of these things is because light surfaces just look dirty all the time you know especially white 
uh, just looks filthy. You know, anything gets on it. Black, you know, really hides the uh, dirt and detritus and uh, other things. It looks good with purple as well. So, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else do we have in here? Uh, answer a few more questions. We'll call it a day. Uh, uh, when will you do a review for the new Kessel 360X? Uh, that's a super good question, man. I'm tempted to do it next week, which means that I'm going to put the hybrid series off because this is going to take a whole week to edit and do. Uh, but the information's already done. So I've already taken all the information down. Uh, we have the data points to share, and I'm super tempted to push it out a week. Uh, if we don't, uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be really hard because, you know, the hybrid series obviously is super interesting to everybody. Uh, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to prioritize it. But all the information's there. Uh, I'll try to get to you as super as fast as possible. But I'll tell you, the 360X, I think they're both, and the old one are both 90-watt lights. I mean, the, I can give you the, all the information you need to know right here. Uh, they're both 90-watt lights. The wide the lens does uh, you know change the, the pattern a little bit better, which means it's wider. Uh, it has extra colors in there with violet. The actual peak of the you know normal Kessel uh, logic is a uh, wider blue. It looks a little better. You have red and green in there. You can now plug in. It's way lower profile, which is nice. Uh, you can now plug in a uh, you know series them with a K link together. They'll probably be be a, a Wi-Fi dongle for a, one of them, you know, and they control the rest. Uh, and, you know, you also don't need to have a individual power now for the Kessel light. It powers through the USB-C connection. So uh, very similar. Like, you're not going to see a major par gains, in my opinion, and you shouldn't be surprised because they're both 90-watt lights. Uh, but like color representation better, spectrums wider, diffusion is a bit wider. You still like that single lens blends all of them into one color really well. Uh, and you know overall, it, I would call it a pretty big improvement over the other light uh, functionally. But like again, this isn't par wars. They're not shooting like like pars horsepower where like. You know, if I have a 600 horsepower engine, it's better than a 350. Like, I can't even drive that on the on the road. So what's the purpose? You know, like, I guess I could blast him for a second if I wanted to, but nobody would run it that way. So uh, that would be about it. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Do you uh, do moonlighting, right, without messing up the Coral's photo period? Uh, well, you know, that's a good question. One of the things I think we shared in an earlier episode was, uh, like, a lot of them spawn based off of moonlighting. So... Uh, I just turn it on, man, and I don't really mess with, you know, trying to get the, you know, whole, you know, rotation of the earth perfect. But at night, like, I like to be able to just kind of see in the tank, especially if the room is in a super dark room. Like here, it's in a studio. It's utterly black, you know, so there's fish couldn't see anything if they were in there. Uh, and anecdotally, I've heard people say that if you have a little bit of light in the tank, the light, uh, fish are less likely to jump out and be spooked. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I'll buy it. It doesn't hurt anything, and it looks cool. So, And I've never seen a negative, you know, thing from doing a very, very small amount of light. Actually, that's a big deal with the 360Xs, actually, now, is you can run them down all the way to 1%, which is a super, super, super dim moonlight uh, and perfect for that application, whereas you couldn't turn the old 360s down that far. Uh, the one thing I will say is, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to people who, you know, uh, are you know in the world of trying to make coral spawn 
And, you know, one of the things you see in the wild is some corals, like, actually don't spawn anymore. They spawn at weird times because of ambient light from major cities that are, you know, many, 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 many miles away, you know, reflecting off clouds and stuff. You know, the artificial light in the, in the world is changing how corals spawn. And so if you wanted to, like, spawn them in your house, you can do it, actually. It's just that I would need to replicate, you know, the moon cycles perfectly, and I'd also have to black out the tank. It had to be in a room that doesn't get any other artificial light at all so it does definitely you know have some kind of role in biology um, you know but you don't see corals spawn in tanks a whole lot it's probably due to like not creating the perfect moon cycles uh, for the corals all right what else is it what else we got here uh, all right I'm gonna answer two more and then we'll call it a day Well, I'll just read this one out. What a, uh, Jose, uh, what about power outlets? How do you know when too much is plugged in or it's safe to plug in equipment, etc.? That'd be very useful and good to know when you're pushing it. it may cause damage or whatnot. Rule of thumb, of course, is since it's power may uh, uh, vary on the age of the home and whatnot. But uh, when you take that on, it'd be super helpful. So I'd say that most uh, outlets are arrayed for about 1,500 watts. And, like, so I'd kind of go look around the house and see, like, you know, how many uh, watts are running uh, on this thing. What else is plugged in? Pull other stuff out of that circuit if possible. You know, try to put the tank maybe near where you can either put another circuit in really easy uh, if you're going to need to go over that or that it's, you know, within range of another circuit in that room. You know, a lot of people use those little, like, electrical tracks that can go along the bottom of your baseboard and if you paint it the same color as your wall you'll never see it uh, and it'll just go around and go to another plug-in in the house uh, you know if you are going to go over that but yeah you know one of the things that you know for me I mean I like to buy things that I buy it once now I, I bought some I mean like my first tank I bought four different protein skimmers before I got the right one and like I don't like to have weak links in the whole system so you know you know, if you go buy a power bar from your local hardware store and it costs three ninety nine, uh, it has probably after you know the hardware store made money on it, the distributor made money on it, the manufacturer and the thing was shipped around the world probably has about I don't know, man, sixty two cents worth of material put into making that power bar, and you should have about that much uh, expectations of results out of it. You know, it may work, uh, it, uh, but if it fails you, don't be surprised. I mean, that's, that's what it is. If I'm going to plug in my TV into it, so be it. And if it breaks, I would just go get a new one and plug my TV into it. Uh, but if I'm going to plug in you know, $2,000 worth of gear that's life support for a system that uh, is you know, really important, I may buy a nice one. So the, in this instance, you know, we do that PS3 one that you know, monitors all of the uh, power and you can click through and see how many amps it's taken and how many watts and you can get a real idea of you know, how much power you're consuming and you know, how close are you to that 15 amp circuit that like you know, on the wrong day, if all of the heaters are on, the lights are on, and you know, my son walks by and flips on the light uh, to the room, will it you know, suddenly trigger? Or worse yet, flips on the light and goes and plays soccer and uh, then the heater flips on or something while we're all away and triggers the circuit and then there's just power out to everywhere. So you know, having a nice solid you know, 
a power strip like that PS3 has an internal circuit breaker on it that you can set it to different powers. So, like, you know, let's say I know that there's always going to be 500 watts, you know, running lights in the room, you know, or whatnot. I can set the power to 10 in this thing, and it will let me never go over that. I don't, I've never used that feature, but you could. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I would definitely try to, you know, identify. Don't just plug everything in until the circuit breaks, man. Like, you know, think about how much outlet, how much you have on that circuit. And if you have an old house, it might be worth just replacing the circuit, like, preemptively uh, and, you know, making sure that it's new and it isn't likely to trip, especially if it's a super old house. All right, all right. Uh, okay, I'm going to answer the last one here with Steve Thompson. Uh, what's your opinion on all the blue and UV spectrum? No whites, reds, or greens at all. Okay, so I, I'm not a, like, nobody knows the answers to this 100%, but I'll share a little bit of information on it. So, you know, if you watch uh, Dana Riddle's uh, uh, Magnus speak this time, um, uh, speech this time, you will have seen that, you know, like UV light uh, and violet light turns uh, some green corals red, you know, uh, and has a direct impact on coloration, you know, and so, like, not just visual representation, but the fluorescence of the coral actually changes, you know, and so it does have a role on it. The blue spectrum is probably the only thing that's actually required for, you know, actual growth. I know Randy actually, you know, only uses blue T5 bulbs and most of his tanks that he had up into this day, you know, is like, you know what, all T5s, you know, and all blue pluses. He didn't add in anything other for the coral or color visual representation of the coral. He wanted to provide it, you know, photosynthetic energy, and, you know, he did it through that and produced awesome tanks with it. And so, you know, blue spectrum is the, probably the most important of the whole thing. You know, there are a lot of people that believe that red, you know, you know is negative. And I don't want to go all the way out there and say that. That's a super debatable thing. Uh, red actually can add like really cool color to the tank and like Randy mentioned on the Kessel you add the red to it and all of a sudden the anthias just popped with this like crazy fluorescent color you know it was really cool so it can add like a purple effect to the tank that visually looks really awesome but you know there's a few studies out there that actually show red light uh, is slows down photosynthesis and you know one of the things that like has been theorized and I don't think proven yet, but red light might very well be how the corals choose to regulate photosynthesis in the tank, you know, because red light is filtered out by the water. And so, you know, as the, you know, day gets stronger or the tides change or whatever in the depth of water, but, you know, as the day gets stronger, more and more and more of that red light is, you know, pounding the water and more of it's going to get through to the coral. So the coral might not be able to you know, have evolved around the ability to adjust intensity to the light and knows it's getting hit, hit with like too many of the bright photons, it might actually be that it is adjusting to the fact that more red is getting. And the more red it hits, the more it needs to slow down the rate of photosynthesis uh, so that it doesn't overproduce and produce like uh, toxic oxidants and whatever and cause it to bleach. So uh, there's been some studies that kind of like don't prove that you know specific theory per se uh i would call that a you know plausible theory that you know the industry type like tends to run away with uh plausible theories if it sounds right and fits some way that we all believe is true instantly and i, I wouldn't go there but you know i'm 
I don't use a lot of red for that reason. I, I may change, I add a little bit for color, but I'm really cautious about it. So like with the, you know, the Kessels and stuff that give me the option to do that, I add it to like 20% and only for part of the day. And then also at the highest intensity part of the day, by the way. And, you know, Kess or the WWC team does, I think, the same thing. So they have a little bit of red during their daylight full spectrum period in the morning. And then they take the red out for the blue portion in, in the afternoon. So, you know, that's my opinion, I guess, on blue and UV spectrum and, you know, white really, I guess, isn't really a thing. You know, the big thing about white, I guess, is, you know, that's often like, you know, the blend of all those spectrums and often a perceived intensity. Uh, but that perceived intensity is actually often the green portion of the light. And the green portion, you know, like tends to not have a huge impact on photosynthesis or the biology of the biology of the coral. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but I mean, that seems to be, you know, a part of the general consensus. So like the green may be used for, you know, visual representation if need be, but like probably not gonna have a lot of biological uh, effects. All right, all right, I think we're gonna call it a day here. Uh, so uh, we got, I'm gonna go one more. All right. Uh, Okay, there's one right down here. Brandon uh, on, on Facebook. Will three AI primes do a 75-gallon tank, mainly LPS and SPS? My answer is yes. Uh, and a mixed tank, you could use three AI primes on a 75-gallon tank if you chose to put the SPS in a really well-intentional spot, right? Again, I might spend the 40 bucks and get a par meter, but like... If you chose to create high areas in the tank, and I chose to put the SPS corals in locations nearest the light, you absolutely could do that in a mixed tank. Uh, that would not do a wall-to-wall -wall SPS tank. All right, well, I'm gonna call it a day here, man. Remind everybody that uh, what we're looking for with SPS tank is uh, uh, more isn't better. It's not horsepower. 250 in as much of the tank as possible in the one to 350 uh, range. Blanket of light if it uh, hits corals from a wide degree of angles. And if it isn't T5s, man, it should behave like T5s. And I'm gonna let, I'll close out one last statement again. I said this earlier, so everybody's watching. Uh, if anybody creates a panel of uh, well-diffused uh, LEDs, man, I think they're gonna get rich. So anybody creates a big panel of LEDs like the shape of a tank, pretty much, uh, it is going to absolutely be the number one selling light for SPS corals. A panel that is diffused, where we're hitting all of the corals uh, with uh, multi-directional light from all angles. It looks good in the tank. It looks good. Its biology is good. Uh, I just hope that some manufacturer, like, here's the call. I know we actually did uh, a poll not that long ago over on Reef to Reef uh, in the lighting episode. You go check it out. And it said, is a large panel of diffused lighting the future of SPS reef keeping? It was nearly unanimous yeses, man. This is where the community is going. It's what the community wants. It's so obvious that if it isn't a panel of T5 lighting, it should behave like one to produce the best results. So, uh, hey, man, like... Give a big thumbs up here, man, if you'd like to see that from a uh, manufacturer. We can also scale down the, you know, the intensity in the little pockets so we don't have to make it so costly as implementing tons and tons of little teeny uh, you know, pucks all over the place. And uh, it is absolutely what I would love to see. 
And I hope that whoever does it, man, lives up to that and gets rich doing it because I think that it will be a huge benefit to the reefing community to make that. And even a, uh, like a panel like the uh, uh, Phillips uh, Coral Care for mixed tanks uh, or, you know, lots of those, I guess, you know, for an SPS tank. But, uh, you know, for a mixed tank or a softy and polyp tank, it just looks good in the tank. Super easy application of lighting technology that produces uh, awesome results. So thank you, everybody. Uh, I'm going to see you next Friday. And I'm going to give you three options out here, man. So... Maybe you can tell me uh, in the comments either on Facebook on this video later in the comments uh, as soon as this uh, goes live. I'm going to say, man, we can do that Kessel A360X. I guess it's just 360X. Uh, BRS TV investigates next Friday. We could also do the next episode of the BRS Hybrid. And I'll give you two options. I haven't decided which one I want to do. We're either going to tackle the four-month cycle and really get into what cycling means in terms of four months, or we're going to get into tank chemistry with calcium and alkalinity and all the ways and the simplest and stablest way to manage calcium and alkalinity for a SPS tank in our hybrid series. So uh, let me know in the comments which one of those ones you know want to see us do, and I will do that one. Uh, but I probably got to like start on it like this afternoon. So be quick. All right. Uh, see you next week uh, with uh, another episode of Beers TV.